Um, welcome Hi. to Your Village, the podcast. I am your host, Karis, and we've got an amazing special guest today. We've got Grace Williams from the postnatal doula. Is that yeah. Academy? Academy is the other part of it. Yeah, the academy is the other part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am the postnatal doula. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me today, Karis. Um, yeah, so my name is Grace. I live in beautiful Devon. Um, I am married to Mr. Mr. Postnatal Doula, and we've got three daughters who are eight, six, and two. Um, And I've been a postnatal doula for four years now and became one after the birth of my second daughter when um, my experiences were very different to my first. And I just thought there's got to be something more to support people who give birth in that postpartum period. And when I discovered that there was a thing called a postnatal doula, I just knew that was what I wanted to do. And there we go. Nice. And I had a similar experience. So um, my son's four and a half. And when he was about one, I did my hypnobirthing training. And I went to a um, a book launch, you know, the the lovely book, the little book of self-care for new mums. And I went along and I heard the word postnatal doula. Obviously, I'd heard of a doula. I said, I'm sorry, what what is this? What is this? You know, William must have been about 18 months and we kind of come over the crazy time. I was like, why did no one tell me these existed? I was like, why didn't I know? Yeah, and that's so common that people just don't know that this type of role exists. And when I started looking into postpartum, I the only thing I knew that was kind of near to what I wanted was a midwife. So I was like, well, I'll just become a midwife then. And then when I actually looked into it, I was like, no, that's not that's not postpartum enough for me and then um you know how your social media like tracks the things that you look at and all these ads come up in your feed. <laughs> yeah, right. there was one for do you want to become a postpartum doula or it was you know do you want to care for mothers in afterbirth and I was like oh and then when I looked into it I was like this is what I want it's it's a postpartum doula and that Facebook ad basically That's a good Facebook this, ad well honestly, done for them right well targeted <laughs> sent me on this whole journey into becoming this a postnatal doula um would it be helpful for you to say what what a postnatal doula actually yes. is yeah, yeah. Do, okay yeah. so um just as you have birth doulas who support people in their antenatal and birthing journeys a postnatal doula or a postpartum doula um supports birthing people after they've given birth And that's usually in the form of um, three ways. So one is that emotional support. So as we know, there's a whole host of changes that's going on immediately after you've given birth. And you, on top of all of that, you have this tiny baby that you're getting to know, that you're getting to grips with how to feed, how to make um, like decisions as a parent. And it's just so overwhelming sometimes, as well as absolutely full with joy and oxytocin and just all the goodness. Um, And so a doula is there as kind of a reassuring presence um, in your home or virtually depending on where you are in the world Um, and they can just be that kind of sound person to listen to or to just reassure you that what you're going through is normal or if it's not normal where you can go to get support so there's that emotional support then there's the practical support so this is things like cooking nutritious meals that are absolutely delicious, taking the weight off of you of the expectation of having to do things. So having to tidy up, having to fold the laundry, having to 
oh, I don't know, run the hoover out, that type of thing. And so doulas can be practical in their support as well. And then the third one kind of links to both of them, which is that signposting element of knowing where to go. So where to go to find reliable information about infant sleep or where the local infant feeding group is or a local lactation consultant. And so it's those things that your doula will know and will be able to quickly find for you rather than um, parents themselves having to uh, Google at 3am and really kind of get overwhelmed with the choice that's on offer or the dubious information that sometimes <laughs> Google offers up. <laughs> I think in that kind of, especially the, the fourth trimester, I must have Googled, is it normal? Dot, 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 10 times a day. Yeah. It's the first time you you don't know, do you? Like, should they be no. doing? Should the poo be this colour? Should should they be sleeping this much? Exactly, and that's my thing about. So we would call that the fourth trimester, like you've just said. So mm. there's the three trimesters of pregnancy, and the fourth trimester is that first twelve weeks after a baby's been born. Nobody when both about, nobody talks nobody about. talks about it. I call it the forgotten trimester because, um, especially for first parents who have no they've not been around others that have had a baby or not in close contact with someone else that's had a baby we tend not to talk about the realities of what those first 12 weeks can look like so if we think about it we've got um a birthing person who might be feeling sore or tender they might be recovering from an abdominal birth uh they might be really struggling with feeding either you know breast body chest feeding or formula feeding and just not sure what to do um and they've got all these hormonal changes going on inside their body on top of all of that and their organs and getting back into place like exactly exactly and some people just don't know that you bleed for weeks after birth and that's a real shock because literally nobody told them that that's what's happening with your uterus after birth even after an so, abdominal birth you 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 bleed vaginally and I, I had to have an emergency c-section for William and I was like well I didn't birth that way why am I bleeding like yeah and then the midwife said I was like oh I didn't expect that yeah exactly because nobody talks about yeah. it and so we often find parents I kind of say walking into the abyss that was like <laughs> which sounds a bit um desperate doesn't it <laughs> I think I just want to highlight how bad it is because as a society we also fail to prepare parents adequately um, for that postnatal period that fourth trimester because you know we hear these really unhelpful sayings like all that matters is a healthy baby mm -hmm. or if you hold your baby you're making a rod for your own back which all that matters for a healthy baby completely neglects and prioritizes the baby over that person who's given birth when actually that person who's given birth needs to be just as cared for and nurtured and healthy as that baby so that they can look after their baby and make sure their baby's healthy so there's that one that I have a real issue with and then the other thing about making a rod for your back as a society we've lost touch with like what is normal for babies and their behavior we are mammals as mammals when we give birth our babies, our young, like to stay close to us because that's where they feel safe. They get their food from, they feel nurtured, warmth. We regulate their temperature, all of these things. But as a society, we've gone, you know, we put them in a, in a cot on the other side of the room or in their own room. And we 
we make them as independent as possible from early on, which in many ways goes against those biological norms that a baby had around needing to be close. Um, and this has been going on for a long time. It hasn't always been like this. No, you know, as a society, we used to have, you know, people used to stay in hospital for a long time with their babies and they used to have lying in periods and there used to be a culture of rest after birth. Mm -hmm. But in our country, we've separated that over the years. Um, there are other cultures that still have a really strong postpartum kind of lying in or um, some call it yeah. yeah some call it confinement where they have a period of time in the bed and they are cared for by family members or other people in the community to care for them and without going on another round, the other thing is that as a society we are more fractured so I am a perfect example of that I live in Devon my I grew up in Swindon in Wiltshire but actually, my mum now lives in Hertfordshire, not far away from you, actually, Karis. Um, <laughs> and so when I had my first baby, we were in Devon and I had no immediate family nearby. So we really were doing it by ourselves day in, day out. Sure, they came down and they visited and they stayed for a couple of weeks and helped out. But in that long you have to term... Host probably as well, because they don't live nearby. Well, exactly. And that's the other thing is that I... I think we hosted people did bring their lunch that first time and that was the good thing but we hosted a lot of people in those first days because we've got we're both myself and my husband are from large families so we had lots of people and I think it got to maybe day 12 or something and it was the first time that it was just the three of us on our own since she was born <laughs> it was like oh at that point we realized we'd made a mistake of actually we should have been more boundaried and about who and how many people we had in and we made those changes going forth but because we have that structure that fractured kind of well, I think it's so like common the, isn't it so common so now common. where like well obviously the name of my podcast is your village like we we are used to having a village of support where yeah. you know you have your aunties and your you know yeah. extended family or not your relatives but your family yeah. helping and yeah. I'm the same so I live in Hertfordshire both me and my partner from Aberystwyth in West Wales, as you know, because you went to uni there too. <laughs> um, my parents have sadly passed away, so that didn't hit me until, yeah, my baby was born. But um, Owen's parents are in Aber. So either they drive four hours and stay with us for two weeks, or we have no one. And it's still the case. Like, we, we were invited for a, um, for a night out, and it meant us leaving, like, 4 p.m. and coming back quite late. Well, we have a babysitter for like you know seven till ten we couldn't have a babysitter we've got nobody to put the kids to bed so um I think that's very common especially around we I'm kind of commuterville now mm -hmm. so there's not that many people I hear from Harpenden like yeah. most people have moved from London out to here to have their kids so yeah. it's just yeah it's it's it makes me quite sad actually that yeah yeah and that's that's part of the kind of um passion of mine is around making sure that people have that support for those who are in a similar situation to us where we don't have that immediate family and it might not be even a geographical thing it might just be that that family structure is broken down and they don't have that family and doulas can be a wonderful kind of um not a replacement but you know a complementary kind of person to be feeling, exactly and we we often are drawn to this work because we are the type of people that like to nurture and care for and make sure that people are okay. And so, you know, it can be having a doula can be as light touch or as intensive as you want. And there, 
are many different doulas out there who provide postnatal um, services. And so you will find, because it's quite a personable thing, you will find a doula that is right for you, that matches with your values, your, um, I don't know, your ethos, exact, yeah. your personality, all of that. Um, and there are postnatal doulas that work in the daytime. There are postnatal doulas that do night work, so to help parents in the evenings. There are doulas that specialise in multiples, you know, twins and triplets and so on. Um, and so we're growing in number, I have to say, which I'm really, really pleased about. Um, but still, so many people don't know what a postnatal doula is, which... You know, when you go to an appointment and they ask you for your occupation, Yeah, I went to... Um a chiropodist before Christmas and he's like what are you I was like a doula he's like I don't know what that is how do you spell it I get and that's not like that's every time I met that maybe one in a hundred would be like oh wow you're a doula that's cool yeah yeah that. or it's like a dealer a jeweler <laughs> all of these yeah, things I'm a dealer I'm yeah. announcing you <laughs> and then when you explain to people what you do you people often go oh oh my gosh, I wish I knew about you when I had my baby or when my partner had their baby or whoever it was that had their baby that they can relate to. They're like, oh my gosh, I wish I knew you existed. Yeah, I get that a lot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. My other half had, I've got a stepson, so he'd already had a child. I think Jacob was six when William was born. And I just assumed like, oh, I'm sorted because my, my partner's had a kid, so he's been through all this. Turns out every kid, kid is different and... <laughs> You didn't remember six years ago. So, yeah, yeah even if um, you think you've kind of got it sorted, you're often not. But um, anyway, where we were going with this. So the fourth trimester, the forgotten trimester. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you're quite right. And I always yeah. deal with, with my hypnobirthing course. It's always like the last session, at least an hour about yeah. how we, I, I could talk about eight hours about postnatal. But um, yeah, I think just getting that voice. And I find it really hard, especially for first-time parents. You don't want to be scaring them because it, there's so much beauty and joy in it. For sure. I find it really difficult to be quite honest about, like, have you got, have you had a conversation with your other half about how your week's going to look? Have yeah. you set your boundaries? Have you spoke to your family about coming round? And yeah. nine times I think... haven't, I haven't thought about it. No, exactly. But just like we encourage people to prepare a birth plan, preparing a postpartum plan is really important and it can be as simple as thinking either in like lapses of time so that first week what is that going to look like for you where do you want to be in the house how do you want to feel what do you want to eat you know how are you going to make sure that you are resting and healing and, and recovering and then weeks like two onwards how do you want to feel then when do you want to start getting up like when do you think you want to start getting up and, and going out for a walk or you know things like that and then if you've got younger you know older children about things like the school run and if it's going to be you or actually is it all right for it to be somebody else temporarily just while you stay at home um and so thinking through those things of like, how do you want to feel in that postpartum? And for sure, it can change when you're in it and you've got the reality of what your of what postpartum is. And yeah, I think it's really easy to get focused on postpartum as being really difficult. And for some, it absolutely is. Mm. But for others, it is full of connection and joy and um, that kind of fuel that rush of oxytocin as they're in that newborn bubble with their baby I've had three postpartums and 
all of them have been very different but this third one when I was a doula and I knew what I was likely to like want I absolutely nailed it this time and I've never felt so uh, I was going to say fresh but that sounds horrible (laughs) I've never felt so energetic and well rested and just like okay like I just felt okay whereas with the others I felt really like oh my goodness this is hard isn't it like and I felt like I'd been hit by a bus both times whereas this time I was like no I'm all right and that was because I didn't do anything for a very long time I stayed at home (laughs) so so yeah rest and a rest yeah I was gonna say it leads us nicely on to talking about rest Karis um so another bugbear of mine is that in our society we associate rest with like negative connotations of being lazy or self-centered or just not good because we live in a society where being productive and doing is equal to good because it shows that we're busy 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 it gets us money in our you know capitalist society it is you know we have to be doing we have to be contributing in some ways but actually by stopping and resting in that postpartum period we are contributing long term because it means we are able to look after our babies look after ourselves, and make sure that we are happy well and healthy going forward and I think there's often a real um kind of resistance to rest for people who have very busy lives up until they have their baby haven't we we've been conditioned over the years to busy busy work all the hours especially yeah. I'm, I'm living in like a London commuter town it's yeah and I, and I, when you were talking about the laziness I think often that comes internally like people yeah. aren't calling you lazy people are probably not judging you but you're judging yourself I can't yeah. sit here all day yeah. what will people think well it's, you're, you're judging yourself almost yeah absolutely <laughs> changing that, that internal dialogue yeah and these are lots of messages that we are given and conditioned with over many years and it's not just about postpartum it's that like you say work culture is work 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 all the hours that you can and that if you're not working hard enough you obviously don't want it hard enough and so then when we are in a phase of our life a season of our life where we are almost forced to rest because we've just gone through something physical like labor and birth or we've had an abdominal birth if we've not had a vaginal birth and we have to rest and that's where people have that resistance but actually that rest not only enables you to heal physically it allows your you to have the time to process things like the birth changing relationships in your family it allows you to ride out the wave of that hormonal change which is your hormone changing after birth is like the largest hormone change in the shortest amount of time that you will ever have in your life so no wonder we have this thing called the baby blues (laughs) from about day three onwards because our bodies are going through this ginormous hormonal change Um, and so it allows us to kind of ride that out in a way that we're not then trying to also push a trolley around Sainsbury's or wherever we like to do our shopping at the same yeah, time I went um I had an abdominal birth so I was healing you know quite severely 
I felt like I should be going for a pub lunch on day three or four. And there's a photo of us with William in the, in the little tiniest, like he was such a small baby. I put my face on, I put, get a, I look at it and I really thought to myself that I thought that was a priority and I probably posted it on social media and that's a whole nother yep. conversation, isn't it? <laughs> and like, but the thing is, some people, for some, doing that was is what they needed because of the yeah. context that they found themselves in they might have felt really overwhelmed or whatever and going out gives them that sense of normality but for others they do it out a sense of obligation or this is what we should be doing rather yeah. than like oh actually I'd much rather stay in bed or on the sofa or wherever and also not only that hormone change once you've given birth, your brain changes. It has this thing around um, plasticity, it's called, and it changes to allow you to have that influx of oxytocin to enable you to bond with your baby. But because your brain is changing, of course you're going to feel slightly out of sorts and unusual, for, you know, and a bit odd for a while because you've got all these things happening that you have no control over. And so the things you can control is going slow and slowing that rhythm of life down so that you are gentler and kinder on yourself so that you're not putting those expectations on yourself of the things you should be doing. That's a big topic of mine this year, excuse me, is getting rid of the shoulds and acknowledging when I hear, oh, you should be doing that. And I I have worked very hard (laughs) to be like, hang on a minute. What do I want to be doing? What's my heart telling me instead of this should? (laughs) It's a work in progress, isn't it? But it takes time, doesn't it, to kind of unpick all of that and to really get a sense of what do I want? Like, how do I feel? Is this something I feel like I should be doing or do I actually want to do it? And they're very different things. And so it does take a bit of time. So spending some time before you give birth thinking through those types of things and questions about how you want your postpartum to look like I think is one of the ways in which you can kind of better prepare yourself I think as well and if you've got a partner having that open conversation before baby comes before all that emotional change happens is have you know obviously most people I meet are putting some antenatal education into their diaries so put that postnatal planning things in the diary and have an open conversation and it might be that you know your partner really loves going to football on a Sunday morning playing football locally you know and obviously in the first few weeks that might not happen but then being honest and saying oh yeah yeah, I I really need that like I really like doing that and if possible can we try and fit that in and also for the birthing person or the mum just being like oh god you know once I feel I really want to go back to Zumba or I really want to go you know I don't know what people want to do go to the library or have their nails done and it's just having that you know little snippet a week in those early weeks that make you feel human again because yeah. I think what people don't really underestimate and especially first-time parents is the change in yourself when you become a parent mm-hmm. you can't explain and you can't really prepare for because you created this tiny gorgeous human that you're linked with you're forever changed when you become a parent um and that's I think that was a big learning curve for me I didn't expect that and especially yeah. especially when people are having babies a bit later now you know it's kind of more normal to be in your 30s once you've established your life a bit more where my mum she had her first when she was like 18 or something I think yeah it trying to I I I felt like I lost myself and I almost had to be not reborn that's a bit dramatic but get used to the new me I guess it's a new facet of who you are it's like it's not parenthood doesn't replace who you are as an individual before you give birth but it's just a different 
part of you that mm. takes a little while to settle in to the rest of you that existed before you gave birth and for some that's an easy kind of transition of just slotting it in with the 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 rest of your identity and for others it takes a long time if you know ever for some people (laughs) it's a continual struggle about how parenthood sits with them as an individual um especially if you know I'm thinking of some clients that I've had and friends I've had who have very high power careers who are very independent used to making lots of decisions used to being in charge of their themselves and then they get this baby who is almost in charge of their themselves (laughs) like in charge of their parents Mm -hmm. because especially if they are breast or body feeding you know that they are responding to their baby rather than having their baby respond at times that they want you know it's and so it becomes it is quite a transition and also like the guilt that we feel as well Mm -hmm. everyone does it like every parent I think who gives birth has that guilt in them whatever they do and I think it's just a sign that we want to do our best for our babies so we are continually worrying and checking in and being like is this okay am I doing all right but there's no such thing as the perfect parent like it's often talked about being the good enough mum like the good enough parent like we can as long as we are present and we are making the best decisions that we can for our children that's all that we can do you know there's no such thing as perfection and I guess that all depends I think social media has a big part to play in that um, yeah. And I always say when I'm teaching pregnant people, obviously, you know, do an audit of what you're following for your, you know, for your brain and your mental health. And I think postnatally as well, you know, nobody knows if you mute that person that pretends they're the perfect parent on Facebook yeah. or, you know, an uncle or auntie that might post newsletters that nobody knows you mute them or you unfollow them. Like, yeah. stay in your own lovely lane. Exactly. And, and, and find other people who, you go oh that's real that's real life like that's real parenthood Mm. and um one example that popped into my head while you're talking is Stacey Solomon so she's just had a little girl can't follow her you have to unfollow her because she comes across too perfect I have to oh really for me for her postpartum for me I thought she was actually really honest like she basically stayed in bed I I didn't see the new baby this was the yeah oh the one before yeah no this is a little girl and she's basically just stayed in her bedroom for a really long time and was making a joke out of it on Instagram being like I know I'm still here but I was like you crack on like you do it because I think having lived examples of other people who rest and who stay home and and don't move around all the time Mm. or feel like they should be going out and doing things now obviously that's one extreme example because she's able to get people in to help her facilitate her life yeah (laughs) yeah but then I think doulas there are doulas for everyone so doulas are businesses so of course we charge people for our time and there's a whole range of prices of how people charge for their time and things but if there are people facing financial hardship there are organizations in the UK where you can access doula support if you are facing financial hardship or there are other um, kind of contexts in which you can access that support and so there really is an opportunity for, for people to hire doulas from all walks of life for all walks of people who give birth and have families and and so like for me I'm just really passionate that we 
talk more about postnatal life so that we are able to raise awareness about what the reality might be but also that people can find doulas they might start searching postnatal doula near me if you can't afford you know that service then there's people like me and you that we share a lot online there's so much such a good community online absolutely and I'm sure if anyone contacted either of us and I could probably speak for most doulas and said look I really can't afford it but can I have a quick call yeah nine times out of ten I think the doula would just pick up the phone 100% and like for me that's exactly so I exactly that I offer like free chats with people if they just want to check in about something I also offer an hour so you can just book me for an hour and chat about whatever it is and then obviously there are other services where you pay for a chunk of my time so there's a real spectrum and range of ways in which you can hire a postnatal doula to kind of support you in that postpartum journey so um yeah I think I would just encourage people to have a look google some doulas near them and uh start having chats with people and see what what they can offer you um i've got a complete off topic question for you what is your go-to postpartum meal oh okay there are several (laughs) if i had to pick one it would be like a it's kind of and or so it's a broth or a soup and the reason why i say that so I am um, vegan, you know that. Um, so when I cook for my clients, I cook plant-based food. And so I would be cooking things like a mushroom broth, which um, for some might make them go, oh my God, that's disgusting, but it's absolutely amazing. But other people who eat meat, they could have a bone broth. And this is basically to get the collagen and the protein, which are the, some of the things that our bodies need to heal um, after birth. I also love um, soups. So soups with vegetables in, um, our body needs sources of iron and fibre. So things like dark leafy green vegetables, lentils, all those kind of lovely vitamin A's as well in our peppers and carrots and things. Um, I think postpartum nutrition is something that is really important for people to think about because we're often, and in pregnancy, um, you know, in antenatal, we're told we can't eat this, we can't eat that, we can't eat that. Exactly. But actually, we in postpartum, we should be eating lovely, fresh food. And it doesn't matter if it's if vegetables are like fresh, tinned or frozen. Nutritionally, they'll be the same. And so as long as we think about what we're going to be eating and either batch cook or there are things called a meal train where you ask relatives and friends to basically cook you food and they drop it around every day. And so you don't have to think about things like that. and so for me, it is the hearty, simple, but absolutely like nutritionally incredible broth and soup. It's a nice chunky bread to dip in it, right? Oh my God. And yeah. And fibre. That's the other thing that we need because <laughs> we need fibre for our gut, <laughs> basically. So yeah, I would totally be going for some nice, uh, fresh brown bread. I always joke that when William William was a refluxy baby, mm-hmm. so he was just wanted to be on my chest like ninety five percent of the day, and I didn't have the confidence or anyone to ask like a doula to help with those really good wraps. I had an outside um, mm-hmm. carrier, but not yeah. a inside one. Um, I bought one on Amazon and sent it back because I was like, I haven't got a clue what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my tips: get get a get a sling, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. I remember trying to because my other half we my other half went back to London after two weeks so I was on my, in the house on my own 70 or seven 
I think my mother-in-law came for a week or so. Um, but I remember like just trying to butter toast with one hand because the baby didn't want to be put down and the, the toast just flinging across the counter. Like, how do you butter toast with one hand? You don't. <laughs> Very difficult. Like, yeah, you don't. And that's what, so doula, like an, a typical visit for me, if it's a morning visit, would be arriving and kind of finding the client that I'm working with wherever they are in the house. And then you do that like initial check-in with them. So um, how was their night? Have they had their breakfast? And if they haven't, you then go and make it. And then you also check on their meds. So have they had any painkillers mm. today? If they need any, et cetera, et cetera. And so then it's our job to go and do all those things that just support someone so that they are hydrated, that they are well-fed, that they are on top of their pain meds if they need them. All those things that kind of take that burden, that weight off those that person's shoulders. Um, that's what doulas are. Like we're there to facilitate that person's well-being. Um, and it honestly, Karis, it is like the best job in the world. Mm. I love it. Can I have you as now? Like my son's four yes. and a half. Can you come and do that? I get that all the time with people being like, oh, I've still got toddlers. I've got this. Like, can you come and steal me? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, yes, I think that's fine. Because again, I think it's it's symptomatic of a culture where we don't have that ongoing support. We don't sit in that familial structure where people can just pop in and take over the childcare or come and bring their dinner and be like, oh, I've made this for you. Like, that doesn't happen for us. Like, for me and you, anyway. When I meet um, people and they're like, they have the parents down the road, like I'm really happy for them and I am jealous. Yeah, I hear you. Your mum just comes around with dinner and takes the kids away for the day. I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a sister-in-law who has recently moved to Devon and um, she takes our girls for the weekend occasionally oh. and it is just a breath of air. Like it's just so nice. Like she's having them this weekend coming actually um, so that we can pack for our house move because we're in the middle of the house um, and it's just like she's just um, like an angel she just comes and swoops them up goes away and then delivers them back to us and it's like buy her some flowers and hug her time <laughs> <laughs> i will do i will do i'm conscious so, yeah. of time do um do you want to say how people can contact you um sure. and where they so, can yeah so my website is www.thepostnataldoula.co.uk and you can find me on Instagram at, at the.postnatal.doula because somebody had already taken the postnatal doula. So I had to put <laughs> the dots in. <laughs> yeah. um, so you can find me on there. I'm on Facebook as well. Like just search Grace the Postnatal Doula and you will find me. And um, I'm, I've got spots for people to work with either virtually or in their, in their home if you're in Devon. But also, if you're interested in becoming a postnatal doula, then I've got some doula training coming up this year, which you will find more about on my website because honestly, it's the best job. So I'd just love it if more people did it. <laughs> love it. Thank you so, so much for being here and starting this conversation that's super important. And if you're listening and you're expecting a baby, please have a think about that forgotten trimester. Thank you so much for having me, Karis. Thank you. Bye. Bye.